Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 45, released on September 24th, 2008. My name's Steve Eunice, and joining me, as always, is my compadre, Neil Bailey. Hey, Steve, 45, that's almost four years, man. Yes. Uh, Crazy. wonder if they're sick of us yet. I bet, I bet. But, you know, they're being polite. They keep downloading it to be nice, you know? <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate their uh, downloads. Okay, well, uh, guys, you've uh, had an interesting uh, couple of uh, days. Yeah, yeah, we went out, we basically, my, my gal Kristen had a birthday, so we went and saw the Pirate Fest, and, uh, yeah, we did, we did Pirate, uh, Pirate Festival, it was, it was a good time. I got to see, there's this awesome bridge in Portland, uh, you can go up on that thing, and, and, and basically, it, it's just way up there, and, and they were firing off cannons, so the bridge was shaking, it was good times, good Very times. Very good, uh, well, uh, let's get into the discussions, um, obviously, the big thing for this show is Smallville Season 8 has kicked off, and uh, the first episode has aired as we're recording this, and people will be watching the second and third episodes uh, throughout the month that this uh, podcast is released. Uh, what did you think of the uh, pilot ep- or the premiere episode of Season 8? Well, I, I, I'm kind of worried because it's um, it was good. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. What am I gonna do? I got nothing to do anymore. I'm, I'm just gonna give up. No, um, it was, well, that's, that's it was a right. good I don't mind because you usually write yeah. a lot when something's bad, and uh, that <laughs> means I've got a really long editing job whenever your yeah. Smallville reviews come in. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm loving that you're liking it. Yeah, well, it, it was um, it was character based for the most part, and there were you know uh, lots of story flaws per typical, but not as many as per typical. And uh, it was more focused on the character, and and and, and Clark was acting kind of Superman-y, and Lois was acting kind of Lois-y. I've kind of resigned myself to the Elseworlds thing, and if you resign yourself to the Elseworlds thing and forget last season and just kind of roll with last episode, it was a lot of fun, and it looks like it's going to get better. I keep hearing good things about this season from folks, and, you know, like it, it looks like the next couple episodes could even be good, even if Green Arrow is in there. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I got hope for once. Yeah, well, the show is still called Smallville, but it doesn't look like much of this season is going to probably be set in the town yeah. of Smallville. But I guess, I guess what people are saying is, well, it's still Lois's nickname for uh, Clark, so, uh, you know, Smallville is still relevant in that there way. You <laughs> yeah, and heck, if it, if it moves the show on, they could have it in Paraguay, for all I care, and call it Smallville, as long as it has some forward motion of character. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we haven't, uh, in the first episode, haven't seen Doomsday yet, So, uh, but I believe you're interested in the way they're going to be doing Doomsday. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of good things, reading spoilers and looking up things on other sites, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's looking to be a pretty interesting way of doing it if what I'm hearing in the rumor mill is correct, so cool. I'm, I'm actually sitting there thinking, am I actually considering that Doomsday on Smallville is a good thing? You watch, I'm going to get death threats, people are going to be like, you're going soft, you love Smallville, <laughs> you Smallville-loving lover of Smallville, and then yeah, I'll be getting sure. you know, arrows Yeah, they'll take away my credentials. Yeah. I'll be fired. I'll be like, I'll host a sign on the corner. We'll write Smallville reviews for food. <laughs> negative reviews. Negative reviews. Well, uh, something you haven't been necessarily uh, chuffed about is uh, Clark Kent getting a job at the Daily Planet. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm just kind of looking at it like, 
They were. It, it was. Like, I, I was reading a book by Peter David, How to Write Comics, and 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 what they what he said was you can get away with something that's absolutely absurd if you just acknowledge it as as, as absurd in the narrative. You know, it's like. Well, I just decided to join the Daily Planet staff, and then everybody looks at him and goes, that's a bit odd, you've never had any tendency towards journalism. Well, yeah, but I'm here, so let's do it, and everybody's like, okay, and then the story just moves on. You acknowledge the flaw, and then you move on, and I think that that's what they're trying to do with this whole season. And just putting Clark in the Daily Planet, you may be hacked off that he has no causality for getting there, but then it starts making good stories, so it's okay. And I'm hoping that's the way it goes, instead of just like, he suddenly becomes a guy at the Daily Planet and then goes back to being a farmer. But, I don't know, indications are looking that things are going to be good. Yeah, well, I'm in, I can uh, swallow that. I mean, I don't mind the fact that uh, he's at the Daily Planet because, like you said, it uh, makes way for some good storylines. Uh, it uh, opens up uh, the Lois and Clark relationship a bit. And, yeah, it doesn't make sense in the context of the studies or the lack of studies that he's done and uh, the fact that he hasn't really written any journalism articles anywhere to get hired. But um, yeah. not only that, it you know in the known universe of Superman stories, you know Perry White's not there. Um, yeah, there's that. Oh, that's bad. Yes, yeah, so I think it, should, I should have mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, well, uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that you can understand it because they they cast uh, what's his name as Perry White. Um, uh, Michael McKean, exactly. Spinal Tap Boy. It'd be hard for them to get him back into the role as a regular cast member if he's busy doing other things. So, you know, it, it, they probably t- uh, painted themselves into a corner by casting him as Perry White because they can't actually bring, bring Perry White into Season 8 without uh, having Michael McKean. Yeah, well, that's, that's just what I was going to say, is that uh, Michael McKean uh, may not be coming back as Perry because I may have to slaughter him in his sleep so that, you know, like, me and Annette, as we are destined, <laughs> can be together. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, she may have warned him against coming on to small. I think so. I think that's probably why. Yeah, she's she she's got it. She's got the guard twenty four seven. I see it, Annette. I've got binoculars. <laughs> well, what do you make of the Lois and Clark relationship now that they're going to be working opposite each other at the desks, and there's going to be a lot of that, um, you know, uh, weird uh, Lois trying to, you know, mentor Clark and Clark really trying to, you know, get out from underneath her so that he can go save the world while trying to keep his, uh, you know, identity intact. Uh, what do you make I of it? It seems like it's starting to take a Superman show feel, you know, and if they keep that, I don't care if it's still Smallville. I'm going to dig it because we haven't had that on TV in a good way in such a long time. Yeah, it, it is, I'm willing to even just forsake the premise and be like, yeah, okay, Lewis and Clark. I mean, maybe I'm being crazy. I don't know. Maybe I'm being hypocritical based on what I've thought in the past, but... Yeah, there are some things that I'll forgive, and um, one of the big things that I'll forgive is Lois and Clark acting like Lois and Clark. It's like when Lex acts just like Lex, even out of context and forgetting all that came before it. It's just one of those things that if it's fundamentally right, it'll work, especially given that we haven't seen Lois and Clark on TV for about ten years in any good, realistic, fun kind of way. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. I mean, seeing him, uh, you know, try to make up an excuse like, "Oh, I forgot, I've got a dentist appointment and running out," you know. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to pull three of my teeth uh, with this rusty nail that I just picked up off the desk. Yeah, but uh, it'll be interesting because I, I, I like the dynamics between Tom Welling and uh, Erica Durant. I think they have some good chemistry together, and uh, I think that could uh, potentially be uh, an interesting angle for the show for this season. Yeah, I agree. 
Okay, um, well, we spoke about Doomsday being a new character, uh, Tesma, so we got to see her in the first episode. Um, is she a female Lex Luthor, or is she more? I caught it. I, I, I think she's female Lex Luthor, but I, I dug it. I mean, I, it, she, she, she can act. The lady can obviously act. And if she's just going to be kind of step in and become Lex Luthor, that's fine, as long as she's playing the Lex Luthor archetype, you know? And she seems to have it pretty good so far. I didn't see any arbitrary girl power nonsense. It's like she really seems to be a strong female character that you can buy, and I dug it. I mean, she she's not... Like, she's, she's a hot chick, if you will, but she's not the devastatingly hot chick that just, you know, happens to also have a degree in physics, you know what I mean? Yeah. She kind of covers it up with the business suit and plays it as a serious role. She goes and gets catty with Lois a little bit, but she's backing it up with some serious thought in that early scene that I saw. So if it continues in that vein, I'm going to be happy. Okay, well, um, they seem to be really keen to uh, bring in more DC characters into the show this season. Uh, we'll touch on Legion of Superheroes in a second. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, we've got uh, this second episode of Season 8 is titled Plastique. And uh, that's a DC Comics character. And then we've got Maxima coming on uh, in another couple of episodes. Yeah, like Plastic Man, maybe? Or, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, I believe Plastique is a female comic character. Is she? Oh, yeah, see, I'm, I'm completely blank on that. I know Maxima backwards and forwards, you know, as a, as a character. She was one of my favorites, long-time favorites. I hope they get her right. I don't know, it depends. You know, if they if they go with her like the character in the comic, that could work while he's in Smallville or it could work while he's in Metropolis. It doesn't really matter. And she's never really been realized on screen that I can think of. It, it, wait, they had an analog in Lois and Clark, didn't they? Like a character that was like Maxima but wasn't? Yeah, um, um, they did have, well, they had a uh, Kryptonian uh, female who wanted to marry that's, him. That's what it was. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So if they go that route, like in the small vilify it, I'm gonna be like, eh. But if it's like the maxima, like in the comics, it's gonna be red. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's get on to Jeff Johns' uh, Legion of Superheroes. Uh, it seems to be that that episode and the one before it are two huge episodes that are uh, bigger than anything else we've seen in Smallville. They're saying. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I, I'm excited because it's Jeff Johns, but uh, does the Legion of Superheroes belong on Smallville? Yeah, heck yeah. I think especially with Jeff Johns writing, I think that's the only thing that, like, that's got to be a win. That's got to be, you, you watch the whole season, you got to pick one out randomly out of the out of the blue, that's going to be the one that's going to rock. And you know it, because Jeff Johns is writing it, and Jeff Johns gets the Legion of Superheroes. He made him interesting for me, and I can't stand him. And, um... <laughs> Yeah, if I go just reading the, reading the spoilers right, saying something about Doomsday in, in episode 10 or whatever, I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, you could go, if you got the hammer of, uh, of the marriage, Lana returning Doomsday and the Legion of Superheroes, that's some big stuff. And if they don't, you know, go back to formula and make it really stock cheesy stuff, it could be brilliant. It could be great. Well, it's uh, going to be interesting. I've never been a big fan of the Legion uh, being part of Clark's youth, uh, you know, so they're supposedly the futuristic superheroes who are inspired by Superman's um, actions uh, in, right. in, our, in our century, but um, in, then in, in, a, in a roundabout way, they also inspired him to be a superhero because they came in touch with him before he became Superman, so it's kind of a catch-22 situation, and you know, and, and Smallville itself has already done that because, like, you got just you got the Justice League with Green Arrow and um, and Aquaman and Flash already being superheroes <laughs> before Clark yeah. Kent decided to be a superhero. Where you know, in reality, and not just comic mythology, but in our real world, Superman was the first superhero. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's like he's the proto-hero, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of diluting him a little bit, I feel, but uh, I'm really keen to see it because I know Jeff Johns is an excellent writer and he, you know, will want it to be his justice, I mean, his Legion of Superheroes, so uh, it'll be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, well, let's move away from Smallville. Um, let's move on to, as I was talking about, the real world. Um, Brad Meltzer has been doing some great work uh not only promoting his book, which I haven't read as yet, but do plan to read, The Book of Lies, um, but that's secondary to the, to the fact that he's really kicked off this auction to fix the Siegel house in Cleveland, Ohio, where Jerry Siegel lived at the time that he uh, thought up the idea for Superman. Um, you know, the house is a, in a pretty dilapidated uh, form at the moment, uh, both inside and outside, and they wanted to raise uh, $50,000, I believe it was, to restore the outside of the house and uh, hopefully if they raise any money beyond that um, then go on about restoring internal uh, fixings in the house um, and they have raised over $50,000 already in the in the two weeks uh, that it's, the auction has been going and I believe the third week is running at the moment and uh, I think it's just fantastic that uh, they've managed to raise so much money for an iconic piece of American what do you call it, uh, landscape, uh, architecture? It's historical monument, anything, yeah, uh, all of the above. It was, uh, that, was it uh, Boys of Steel, was that the right title, am I getting that right? No, that's uh, Mark Nobleman. Um, yeah, oh yeah, no, that's what I'm referring to. Like, like when he did that slide presentation, oh, we right, saw that yeah. in Metropolis. Didn't, it, did, wasn't, didn't he show like a view from that window? That's and, right, and he uh, did the um, an astonishing thing of going actually and visiting the Siegel house and yeah. sitting in the room where Jerry Siegel... Uh, would have sat at his desk to uh, to write uh, his ideas down, and uh, in the illustration that is in that page of the Boys of Steel, he's actually got a depiction of what it looks like outside that window. So um, some yeah, that's what I was imagining. It. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that's what I was imagining. Watching the whole idea of this auction was someday being able to make a pilgrimage to this place. You know, if I'm if I'm in the area, or just for the heck of it, if I ever come into some money, you know. Go and see, look out that window and get the feeling, you know, because I, I, I identify with that very, very internally myself because, like, I sit here and I look out a window and that's where I derive my inspiration and, and, and I, I, I'd like to see the window that other writers have seen out of, if that makes sense. It's some kind of history. It, it's a way to touch history to a degree. Definitely. Well, if anyone's interested in uh, looking at that auction of uh, Superman, um, there's not just Superman artwork that you can... Uh, uh, bid on and uh, hopefully owned by some great and uh, and legendary artists. But there's also things like winning a uh, walk-on role in the TV series Heroes. Uh, there was um, you know tickets to some of the uh, live shows. Um, I think Letterman, th- those kinds of shows. Um, the website is ordinarypeoplechangetheworld.com. So uh, check that out and uh, you know well done to Brad Meltzer and all those other people for. You know, kicking this off because I think it's uh, it's definitely a piece of history that needs to be restored and and needs to be you know uh, noticed as a, as an icon of uh, of American history and world history. Definitely. Okay, well let's move on to talking about comic books. Um, Trinity is finally starting to move somewhere, although probably not quick <laughs> enough for anybody's liking. But um, seems to be just repetitive repetitive stuff about. You know what? What makes a trinity? What is a trinity? Um, how the trinity is working, and how they're affected, and whether or not the effect is a good thing or a bad thing. And uh, it's, you know, 
God Almighty, 52 weeks. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're being kinder to it than I've been. I mean, um, yeah, I, oh, God, I don't know. If, it's not as bad as Countdown. I'll give it that. <laughs> it's it, But it's really not that, it's not a very original concept so far. It's like, uh, okay, three guys are going to take, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman's place, and it's taken them 16 issues to establish that and get to a single battle with these guys with all kinds of tangents. Four issues with the stinking crime syndicate of America, and three issues with this convict guy, and and Grok, or whatever his name was. And, and now we got um, this battle in a castle that um, basically... Is it, it's just a protracted battle for two issues. I, I'm trying to see what's supposed to be intriguing about this. To me, uh, my fundamental thing about enjoying a story is that the plot must derive from something that relates to the characters, and that isn't beating you over the head with the plot bed of we're a trinity, we're a trinity. Yeah, so they're a trinity. So there are three villains, and that's supposed to be derived from the characters involved. I don't see how Morgan Le Fay is supposed to be Superman. I don't get how Despero is Batman, and I'm not catching the, or, or, or Wonder Woman, or even you know, I don't get which analog is for which, if that makes <laughs> sense. Which makes it like after 16 issues, it should be very clear that one means the other, and they're just like Justice Champion Triumph and bringing out the tarot cards, and tarot cards are so esoteric and odd. I just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I love tarot cards as an exercise in 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 reading things, but not as as a, as a fundamental building block for a plot. You know? Yeah. Well, the thing that's uh, interesting to me, or not interesting, is just so I don't know out there is the fact that um, you've got uh, things that are so obvious, like the fact that what's his name is you know, oh, from Enigma. Enigma is from the you yeah. know the antimatter world. And they bash you, mean you over like, the head with it. They bash you over the head with it, yeah. and then he, he makes out like it's a big surprise. And then yeah. you've got uh, things that are, should be obvious uh, that aren't. Like you said, you know, which one is supposed to be for Superman? Which one? Which of the villains is supposed to be Batman? Which you know? Oh, I don't know. It's you, mean, you mean Enigma is going to betray the evil Trinity in the end and stop them? Are you kidding me, Steve? Who sees this coming? <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I think this could have been an interesting story if it was done like a 12-issue miniseries or even a 6-issue miniseries. I think the fact that what's kind of killing it is the fact that it's being dragged out and made repetitive because of the fact that he's got to space it out over 52 issues. Yeah. And and, and this, is the, this is the crux of it right here. 52 was a bunch of guys working together to create a bunch of different character arcs, all of which had a very clear and defined beginning, middle, and end, and all of the dilemmas came from the characters themselves. Countdown was a mishmash of crazy things happening that involved a bunch of characters, right? Then you get Trinity, which is three characters versus three characters that has gone for 16 issues with no real discernible character arc at all, featuring guest stars like Hawkman and Green Lantern and uh, uh, Tarot and a gangbuster that uses AK-47. How do you... Can you believe that? Gangbuster using automatic weapons as, as a way of stopping people? Like, if you, if you ever grew up anywhere near a gang culture and you know what an automatic weapon represents to that... You'd just be, ah, you'd be shaking your head, you know? Yeah, no, it just seems to be, 
I don't know, dragging on and doesn't seem to be making much sense and people are not liking it and I don't know what's going on there. But um, anyway, let's move on and discuss something we are enjoying and that is the uh, Superman comics, uh, more especially Jeff Johns. Um, Brainiac. Yeah, Brainiac yes. story. Awesome. I mean, so far, just the potentiality for loss that we're seeing, like they're saying that a, that a cast member is going to die and they got uh, Brainiac acting like a real threat and not just a very arbitrary kind of... Uh, he talks to Superman and it makes sense and there's 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 a, a motivation there. It's It's one alien versus another alien. Which one is human and which one is the one that we fear as a society? And it's saying something bigger than the story itself. And he fixed Supergirl. He fixed Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can sit there and make, a, a, I, I can review a Supergirl story without unleashing the, la- the wrath of Talos, you know, because cause I can say, I love it. I love this Supergirl, you know. And and, and he's he's definitely Supergirl's biggest cheerleader, and we love you, man. Um, <laughs> for it, because we want nothing better but the best for that character. You know, we want that character to thrive, but so far... It's been a pretty hard slog, and now I'm sitting there like, yeah, get that Brainiac drone, Supergirl, yeah, you know? And uh, they're kind of hinting, especially with the cover of the latest issue, 869, that um, something's going on with the Kents. Um, yeah, oh, and my plot sense is tingling that it's Pa because of the way that they foreshadowed it. You know, they gave him that extra scene with Pa early on, and now Pa's on the cover, sitting prominently there. I'm like sitting there like, ah. God no! And the bird but, it, yeah. but if anything, if anything, if anyone could do it right, I think Jeff Johns could do it right. I think he's one of few people that I would trust to kill a main cast member and have it make some resonance or sense. If that makes sense, yeah, I, I use that same sense three times now. But anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, the only other thing I wanted to, to touch on before we move into the big questions segment of the show is the fact that uh, in DVD news. Uh, Warner Home Video, in uh, one of their chats they do online, um, has basically said that their goal is to release the entire DC Comics library at some point in time. So that means uh, all the Super Friends series, um, hopefully the rest of the Superboy parts of the uh, uh, New Adventures of Superman cartoons from the 1960s, uh, if the Superboy uh, lawsuit doesn't get in the way of that. And hopefully, hopefully, I think the one that most people are looking for is the Ruby Spears Superman cartoon series of the 1980s. Uh, yeah. Let's hope they get released at some point in time. They have no plans at this stage to release more episodes of the Superboy TV series on DVD. They released season one, but there are no further plans at this point in time to release the remaining three seasons. So that's disappointing yeah. to some Superboy fans. But uh, It's a single thing, or...? Uh, could be. We don't know at this point. Um, there was talk that maybe the season one uh, box set didn't sell that well, so you know that was probably um, you know and a thing that they were looking at in regards to do we release more seasons if the first season didn't sell that well. Yeah. So we'll wait and see, but they don't have any plans to release any further seasons of the live action 1980 Superboy TV series, but they do plan to release the entire collection of DC Comics, I guess, cartoons at this point in time. So, uh, that's cool. good news. Let's start with the big question. All right. Last so. month, we uh, asked the question, how do you feel about the Superman movie reboot news? 
And uh, the first person to send in a response was Calvin Bowes, who wrote, I personally would like a reboot. With the new technology in film, we could see a really awesome explosion of Krypton. I also believe it would be possible to start the story from the beginning and still have the original cast minus the kid. But read my lips. Do not change any aspect of Superman or his values. The film doesn't have to be dark. It can be a light film for the whole family. I personally feel that unlike Batman, a Superman movie should be able to be seen by all ages. Jim Bennett wrote, In my opinion, I'd like them to keep Brandon Routh, but as far as but as for everyone else, I wouldn't mind if they recast, especially Kate Bosworth. There's been so many great storylines in the comics, and there are so, so there are so many places they could go with the character just as long as they have a great writer. It doesn't need to be a dark need to be darker, it just needs to be hold true to who Superman is. So personally I'm just glad they're talking about the movie again. At least we know they want to make another one. Yep, some good points there. Um, a lot of uh, support for Brandon Routh to return. Yeah. Uh, John wrote, I'm happy for a reboot, I admit. I didn't really like Superman Returns. For me, it was just continuing the old movies, nothing new. I do think you have to go with all new cast. If they really are starting over, then I think no connection to the old movies, just like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, have no connections to the other Batman movies before them. That also means a new director too, so no singer either. Personally, I'd like to hear what Mark Miller, Miller's ideas are and who this mystery director is. Hmm. I-T-H-O-T-M-K, which sounds like it.mk, <laughs> wrote... Or could be it.mk. It.mk, yes, correct. <laughs> yep, one of the other... I'll get it one of these years. <laughs> Apologies for butchering it. Uh, he, he wrote, is Warner Brothers... Uh, or she wrote, <laughs> is Warner Brothers' idea to reboot the series a good idea? My answer, it's an idea, nothing more. They could just as easily continue from where they locked off using Superman Returns as Springboard is starting from scratch. Here's another question for you. Should the new film drop John Williams' music in favor of its own beat? It's a valid question and will surely keep fans talking for some time. And yes, yes, they certainly do talk. <laughs> and uh, that's an interesting one about the John Williams theme. Um, do you keep it or do you uh, go in favor of something new? I don't know. I, I, it's a difficult question to answer. If you can write a better one. I mean, the people are always like, you can't beat it, you can't beat it. Well, nobody tries, nobody ever will. You yeah, know? true. Uh, it, so it would be interesting to hear a new theme, but uh, okay, next person is Dave Lewis, who wrote, Hi guys, in response to your question about a new Superman movie franchise, I have only one reply, as long as I don't make a Superman musical, I'm okay with it. Oh my god, <laughs> a musical is enough. Ah, uh, yes. Enough. Well, a people who had seen the original 1966 Broadway musical would uh, take issue with you, because supposedly it was very good. <laughs> I wanted to see it, but hey, I'm a nerd. Wogaman wrote, Reboot it! Some would want that, and some would want and would want nothing to do with the storyline that has started in Returns. Only if they do that, it would be like admitting failure with Returns. Recast Superman. Ralph doesn't have the action chops that Chris Reeve had. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a very uh, stark point of view. Ricky wrote, "I find the whole fallout from Superman Returns very interesting. Before the movie came out, it got rave reviews. When it didn't perform well, all you hear is how people hated it." I really liked it and thought Warner Brothers didn't promote it properly. I think rebooting the franchise is a terrible idea. No one will be able to make a better movie than the first Superman. This was the smartest decision they made with Returns. I'm really nervous about the future of Superman films. I hope it doesn't take another 20 years to make one. You'd think they'd be able to do it right. Warner Brothers owns DC Comics. They have access to all the info they need. 
Yep, very true. Bob Moorhead wrote, I've got to say, I'm extremely disappointed at Warner's decision to reboot the Superman franchise. I really enjoyed Superman Returns and thought Singer had a great idea updating it while keeping more or less within the original Superman movie continuity, honoring the majesty of the 1978 film. With the rebuilt, reboot, it's all lost. Sure, you can watch the old films, but from the new movie's point of view, they never happened. Okay, maybe not such a bad thing with number four, but you get my point. <laughs> oh, wait a, wait a minute. You don't like rebuilding the brick wall with the heat vision? I love that, man. I can't get over that. <laughs> He's joking, folks. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, lastly, uh, <laughs> David Landon sent in his own audio answer to the big question. So here's what David had to say in his own words. So, the next Superman movie. Coming to a theater near you sometime within the next decade, we hope. And it will be a reboot. And that's all we know. That's it. So, I certainly see no reason for outrage or really even concern. I mean, I think that uh, the studio wants this movie to make money, a lot of money, and they realize that if they make it about some angry, black-suited guy who fights giant spiders with knives, that uh, that won't be recognizable as Superman, and it's going to hurt him financially. So I don't think they do that. I really don't. Um, I think that's the reason that the projects that had that kind of tone never got off the ground. So, I don't think we need to worry. I just hope the movie will be entertaining, not boring, make me laugh a little bit, and make me feel like the money that I invested in seeing it was money well spent. Okay, so thank you, David, and thank you, everybody else, for sending in your responses to that big question. Now, Neil, what's our new big question for this show? Well, we got, uh, what do you think of Season 8 of Smallville so far? Is it heading in the right direction? Is it failing for you? Let us know what you think. Yep, so get in uh, the action with the big big questions section of the show. Uh, and you can do that by clicking on the big question button found at the Radio KL webpage, uh, which you can send in an email response and we'll read it out as we have these other entries that we've just received. Or you can send in an audio MP3 file, as uh, David Landon did, and uh, say it in your own words, and we'll play it in the Radio KL podcast, released next month. Bailey's Bookshelf, and uh, Michael Bailey joins us once again to review yet another Superman trade paperback. Take it away, Michael. Hey all, and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the monthly look at Superman trades and hardcovers from the past and present. I am Michael Bailey, and once again I have walked over to the bookcase and chosen another Superman trade to highlight and recommend. This month I have picked out a book that collects Superman comics from the early part of the 90s called Superman Eradication, The Origin of the Eradicator, which is made up of Action Comics 651 and 652, Adventures of Superman 460, 464, and 465, and Superman numbers 41 and 42. The writers were Roger Stern, Dan Jurgens, and Jerry Ordway, with art by Dan Jurgens, Jerry Ordway, George Perez, and Carrie Gamble. With the exception of Adventures of Superman number 460, this book collects the Day of the Krypton Man story arc that ran through the Superman books cover dated March and April of 1990, and tells an early story of the Kryptonian artifact that has been largely missing of late the Superman books, the Eradicator. 
It isn't quite the origin of the Eradicator, as the title of the trade suggests, but still, what are you going to do? The Eradicator made its first appearance during the excellent Exile arc, and for several months after Superman returned to Earth at the end of that story, the artifact had been causing all kinds of trouble, including, but not limited to, the destruction of Clark Kent's apartment and turning Jimmy Olsen into a post-crisis Elastalad. In the first story of this collection, the Eradicator builds a brand spanking new Fortress of Solitude, and in the months that followed, it began subtly altering and influencing Clark and making him more Kryptonian in thought and manner. The remaining six stories tell of how that influence became more pronounced, leading Clark to renounce his human side entirely. It cleared up a few loose ends from the Exile arc, as well as even laying the groundwork for future Superman stories, considering that Adventures of Superman number 465 contains the one-page first appearance of Hank Henshaw and the crew of the Excalibur. Most people consider Adventures number 466 the first appearance of the future cyborg Superman, but there he is and his doomed crew are, big as life and in a bit of a pickle since this is when their mission went south. You will also be treated to an early encounter between Superman and Lobo back during a time when Lobo was a hot character and that kind of thing mattered. I was never really a big fan of Lobo, but you get to see him and Bibbo drink together. And anytime Bibbo is made part of the story, I'm a pretty happy cam- camper. It also has an early appearance by Maxima, another character that I rather liked and have seen precious little of in the past decade or so. More than anything, this story is an example of what happens when the Superman books connect and when you have a good creative team working together to produce interesting and exciting stories. This story took place less than a year before the triangle numbering system uh, was enacted, and more than likely was probably one of the reasons such a system was formed. This is why I'm jazzed that DC is kind of going back to that with the upcoming new Krypton storyline. So, check out Eradication, which is a small but impressive collection that includes an afterword by one of my favorite Superman writers, Roger Stern. You should still be able to order it from your local comic shop or find it online. Uh, Before I sign off, a special thanks to Mark and Dave, who wrote in over the last month with suggestions on what I should discuss on this segment. Your recommendations are on the shelf, and I will get to them eventually. And now, back to Stephen Neal. Thanks, Mike, and well done with another Bailey's Bookshelf segment of Radio KAL. Lois becomes a mentor. (gasps) Oh, Miss Lane. Oh, my God. You're so the best. (laughs) You're hugging me? Oh, I know. John Henry and Natasha clear the air. Look, I know I made some mistakes. Some big ones, I know. I know, and I'm sorry. Well, I've I've been a little keyed up lately. I was harsher than I should have been. It's just hard sometimes when everything is so... Life and death? Captain Sawyer digs deeper. This is our best lead right now. Yeah, but she's a tough cookie. So am I. And Superman finally finds answers. I have to know the truth. Even if it comes at your own expense. Truth and justice always come before I do. Always. Hello, my son. Father, I need to know about... Brainiac. The mystery deepens in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 45. 
on September 24, 2008 at PendantAudio.com. The life of a superhero. The return of Supergirl. Front page and everything. Sometimes the smallest anonymous tip leads to the biggest story. Wow. Can you imagine being the one person who knows where a superhero is hiding out? Yeah, I can imagine. Is a life of secrets. Kara, look, we have to talk. You promised me. You promised me you wouldn't tell anyone. I thought you needed help. Is that a crime now? But life in Metropolis is the same as always. What the demolition derby in town? Nobody knows what happened. They just found them all squashed like that. Everyone stay calm. I've got this. You cannot stop me. There's nothing we can do about that. Do yourself a favor and keep this conversation between us. But between us. Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Issue 17. Coming Wednesday, September 24th at PendantAudio.com. Super secret soundbite time. All right, what do you got? Well, no, we got I did it again you already. Oh. No, you caught yourself. You had. Yes, I did. Yeah. One uh, year, I will get it right. <laughs> Last show's sound came from the Smallville season seven episode titled Lara, and there were four people who got it right, and they were Brandon Wigginton, Jim Bennett, Joyce Kavitsky, and Alana Haggerty. Brandon, Jim, Joyce, Alana, I am sorry I upstaged you with my awful jumping in the timing, but congratulations, good job. <laughs> yes, well done. Now, let's see if more people can guess which episode of Smallville this sound comes from. We won't fall asleep, I promise. Well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage website and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next episode of Radio KAL. Superman song time. Now if I read this correctly, you are going for the day Superman got busted by Company Kane. It sounds like a Ray Charles song. Is it a Ray Charles song? Is uh, Superman busted? Well, the, I, don't think it's, I don't think Ray Charles would have been anywhere near this type of song. Um, it's... Quite psychedelic. It's probably the only word I can think of. So uh, I'll let the song speak for itself. Here he is. Cool. Company came with the day Superman got busted. Groovy. A tree without a shadow, a king without a crown, 
still photos in color and a joy to the world. What star sign are you, flexible? The junior eclair rose his head from vegetable life and brown mouth the lion's blood. Acid, spice the fish, metamorphic rope, deafness and the blue rose. Hollow trees went rock and cast a shadow. French music points to a trace earth. Mouth open and breathing yesterday, prayer, and even that too. Yeah.
It's hard to describe how Superman felt as he looked through his crystal clarity and sanity to see the police breaking down the door and arresting him for a narcotic charge. for another month um, remember that uh, you can always let us know what you think of the show or give us ideas for topics you'd like Neil and I to discuss in a future show perhaps you've got a song that you would like to suggest maybe a trade paperback you'd like to uh, suggest to Michael Bailey to review or maybe you have a big question that you'd like to submit to the show you can do all those things by clicking on the KAL feedback button found at the Radio KAL webpage and Neil and I will endeavour to use those suggestions in a future show. Thanks, Neil. Thank you, Steve. And you say Trinity, classy Trinity, that it's a trinity of three people trinity. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. <laughs>